Aloha Kako, and thank you for listening to Native Stories. We are a mobile and online archive aiming to activate and perpetuate the perspectives of those who are connected to the land. My name is Ikaika Bishop, and today, students from Kailua High School are learning how to podcast from an Indigenous perspective. Native Stories hosts this workshop so they can interview Kaleo Wong about his insights and commitment to the restoration of one of the largest heiau and fish ponds on Oahu. Known today as the Ulupo Heiau and Kawai Nui Marsh, Kaleo explains that everyone is invited to join the journey to restore Kawai Nui Fish Pond not only a sacred space, but also as a sustainable food resource for the community and for generations to come. Let's listen to Kaleo about his journey of the land and sea. Okay, now you're good. Um, my name's Sage. We're here at uh, Ulupo to learn more about the restoration project and the restoration itself. We're here with uh, Kaleo Wong to get his input on the project and see what he has done and what his views are. Thank you so much for having us here and for giving us the permission to continue this podcast with you. Thank you for coming. All right. So how does getting the youth involved in the restoration project like impact the future for both the marsh and for us? Yeah, um... Well, I guess I'll start by saying that for a, for a while, Kauai was called the swamp. And we talk a lot about how words have power. Um, especially in Hawaiian, there's a bunch of sayings, ikolelo no kiola, ikolelo no kamake, and imana kaolelo, which basically means like words have power, and through our words there's life, and through our words there's death. And But it's not, of course, restricted just to the Hawaiian words. It's, it's English words. It's words that we choose to use and the names we use to, to call things, um, which really shapes our relationships and, and how we interact with um, each other or the environment or where, wherever, whatever we're talking about. And so for a while... Kauai Nui was being called Kauai Nui Swamp, and it was being treated like a swamp where people think swamp, they think of a dirty, gross place. Um, oftentimes we ask kids what's in a swamp, and they tell us Shrek and crocodiles and snakes and all of these things that don't exist in Hawaii um, and are um, not associated with a place where you want to be. As a human, you don't want to be associated with those things. And so calling it a a swamp um, led to people treating it like a swamp where they're dumping all kinds of cars and oils and rubbish and all of these things into Kauai off of the Kapa'akori Road, which got the name Dump Road because people were going there to dump stuff in there. Um, during that time, um, there was plans that was uh, submitted and approved to drain Kauai and put Windward Mall in the middle of it and a sh- and houses and, and a community park. Um, and the community fought against that and, and won. And Windward Mall is now built where, where it is today. And during that time, they're like, well, maybe we shouldn't be calling this Koinui Swamp. We should call it Koinui Marsh. And so kind of since then, Koinui has 
been gotten this name as as a marsh, which is much better than a swamp. You know, better connotations. You think things um, nicer things about it. We can look across at Koinui now and see all this vegetation, and we think you know that's what a marsh is supposed to look like, um, which then leads to other ideas of how do we protect the marsh,、um, and people come up with ideas of. Putting a fence around it and keeping people out and keeping the marshy stuff in, and people are the problem. So if we keep the people out, that's the best way to protect Koinui.、Um, however, we say this is Koinui fish pond, and it's been a fish pond for at least a thousand years, if not longer. And the power of calling Koinui a fish pond, you know, it changes how our relationship to the place and how. It changes what we're looking at. Without moving where we're sitting now, by calling this a fish pond, we begin to think about fish and community and life and、um, relationship to place. We're no longer talking about putting a fence around it to keep people out and keep nature in. It's people needs to be in Kauai to care for it. And so, for a lot of the work that we do here、um, with all of the kids, it's it's. Of course, includes the actual on the ground in the mud、um, work, but equally important is the work of re-internalizing what Kauainui is and re-imagining、um, what we want Kauainui to become for the future. And so, by working with kids and our and our community, we're beginning to. Hear and say, this is Koinui Fish Pond again. It's no longer just Koinui Marsh, but it's Koinui Fish Pond. I think the the more we can talk about this as Fish Pond, the greater our chances of turning Koinui into Fish Pond again is、um, is greater. So the work that we do with the kids and our community is really about transforming and restoring. Kailua and Kauainui as the Pico、um, to a place of abundance that will feed us again. So I know you mentioned the dumping and the negative connotations with names.、Uh, do you believe that commercialism and the consumerism in Hawaii has affected the health of the fish ponds? Yeah, it, you know there there's a lot of things that are are happening、um, as a re- as negative things as a result of those things,、uh, commercialization and consumerism. When we're looking at Kailua、um, specifically,、um, wh- one of the things we're trying to do here is is change the narrative of what Kailua is and and how we view Kailua and our and our feelings about it. Nowadays, Kailua is known for what's makai of us, with increasingly being known for targets and Whole Foods and UFC gym, or and all these other things that's makai of us, and forgetting that in this area where we're sitting right now stands one of the largest heiau on this island. It's just Ulupo, and historically the second largest fish pond in all of Hawaii, right here in Kauainui, and very significant.、Um, Pieces to Hawaiian identity, but also Hawaiian relationship and evidence of that to place. Like this big heiau is here for the purposes of growing food. Here's our big、uh, fish pond that's growing all the food.、Um, and so when we think about not just the power of and the effects of commercialism and consumerism in terms of in terms of the normal way we think of it today, 
I think the bigger effect that we're seeing on Kawainui is this idea of narrative shift and Kailua being known for those things instead of this fish pond um, and our heiyo and a place where our springs are still flowing. But I think it's also important to mention that although this happened in the mid-1890s, um, specifically there was a case, a water hearing commission case in 1895 um, by Hika Alani, um, who was fighting against the taking of water outside of Kailua um, and and diverted into Waimanalo. It's one of the first times we see water diverted from one ahupua and, and put into a next was Kailua water being taken to Waimanalo for the purposes of growing sugar. Um, so we, we can talk about that as as a major effect of what's happened to the health of Kauainui by, yeah, that's millions of gallons of water a day taken to Waimanalo, which is still happening today. So what about the history makes it so important to restore and maintain? Well, I, I think for us, it's... Kailua is one of the most significant ahupua'a on this island that no one knows or talks about, mainly because of, like I said, the second largest fish pond here in all of Hawaii, not just Oahu, and one of our largest heiau is here, right here at Ulupo. And so when we think about these things and and the resources that exist here in Kailua um, and a place where our most famous navigators come from, our most famous chiefs ruled from, um, but has now turned into what we know Kailua is of today, I think really goes to inform us of what Kailua used to be and what it can be again if we value those things. In the story of Makalei that you guys will be reading tonight, they talk about how Kawainui was overgrown. It's a fish pond that was overgrown with invasive species, um, probably a limu during that time. Um, and they called the community together to come and clean the fish pond. And by the end of the fourth day, it was clean and clear again. Um, and there was so much fish jumping that it looked like it was pouring rain. And we can have that again today. And I think by calling this a fish pond, getting people involved with it, with Kawainui and, and with our Aina restoration sites along the edges, um, we'll see those. And so by continually talking and sharing about these stories of what it once was, we can then look at what it looks like today and imagine what we want it to look like in the future. Um, hi, I'm Kiana Soda. I'm also here to interview as well. Um, thank you for your time. Um, so another question we have is, what has really impacted you to uh, choosing this heiau and helping like restore this land? Great question. Um, I used to work as a conservation biologist in the Waianae Mountains and the Northern Kola Mountains, working um, with endangered species and really trying to prevent more from going extinct, but also care for the ecosystems that support those endangered species. And it was super fun. I loved it. It was like paid to camp and hike and fly in helicopters to remote locations on this island. But I really missed the part about working with people um, and how do we directly engage people into telling the stories of our land again to 
turning our hands towards the ground to grow our ancestral crops that fed us for thousands of years that could feed us again. And so I was, and I'm, I'm living here in Kailua with my vahine who's, who's from Kailua. And so an opportunity came up for me to work here at Ulupo um, with Doc Burroughs, kind of continuing on the work that Doc's been doing for the decades that he's been here. Um, and yeah, one of the first things that I wanted to do when I started working here is try to get kids and, and students and schools to come and work with us. So um, yeah, that part of the reason why I came back to work on the land is, is to work with people um, and our communities to really try to change how we view land and hopefully get back to a place that that we're viewing land as as Aina again. Nice. I'm Isabel. Thank you for your time. Um, my question is, how has restoring the land impacted your viewpoint in life? How has restoring the land impacted my viewpoint in life? Wow. Um... I think the work that we do here um, and bringing back kids and students and groups to work on the land um, really help to allow for these spaces um, and these places to be opened up for all sorts of kind all sorts of learning um, engaging um, and relationship building um, for myself and for the people that come to work with us. And so as we work here with really thousands of people a year, um, we can begin to see transformations in both this site and transformations in people who come to work with us. Um, We've been with groups who don't want to go in the lo'i at all and refuse to do it. But as soon as they go in and have the mud between their toes, um, before you know it, they're like sitting in the mud and they're lying in the mud and they're covered in mud on their own doing. Um, and the ability for that to to shift perspectives in, in people um, shows me, at least, that there's idea of growing fish in Kauai again. This big goal is possible. And rebuilding our heyo and using it again is not just some crazy dream, but things we can do as a community if we want that to happen. So I think the way that it's affected me the most is by just believing in the power of telling our, our own stories from this place and its, its usefulness and importance of of those same stories today. Yeah. Um, hi, my name's Tori. Um, I just wanted to thank you again for your time. I was wondering, um, when did you start the restoration of the land and how has it progressed since? I started here in 2015, so I've been here for five years now. Um, but people like Doc Burroughs and Uncle Kihei De Silva and, and others have been working here since the 70s, Kailua Hawaiian Civic Club um, and others. And so 
they were kind of doing it when it was illegal to do, kind of doing conservation when conservation was illegal and, and going on the heyo and clearing it without permits and, and anything just because it was the right thing to do. So when I started five years ago, a lot of this area that we're looking out at today wasn't cleared, even though there's been steady volunteers of people working here um, on the site. Um, they were just volunteers, which usually meant they had a full-time job somewhere else and would come here on the weekends. And unfortunately for us, uh, weeds grow 24-7. And so if, if people are only coming once a month or once every couple of weeks, there's only so much that, we, that could get done before you came back the next time and cut the same grass you just cut or pull the same weeds. And so I'm fortunate that I've been here full-time since 2015 and able to host a lot of groups and schools that come to work with us. And, and by no means am I taking credit for the work that's being done here. I'm just here. My ability to be here any day of the week um, allows for ease of access to school groups to come whenever they can come. I don't have to go somewhere else to another job. I can be here to be with the to be with the students. So a lot of the work that's here is done by by students and volunteer groups that come to work with us. So there is a lot of area, a lot more area that's cleared now than was before, and hopefully we'll just continue to clear until there's fish growing in Kauai Nui that we're catching to eat for lunch. Okay, my name is Kiana Ching. And I would also like to thank you for your time here. Um, my question is, has your experience of being on the Hokulea and participating in other cultural activities influenced your vision for the marsh? How so? Yeah, I'm fortunate that I got to sail a lot with Hokulea um, all around the world. Um, but we get to see... Um, places that are being restored like this. Now, I, th I think a lot of times we tend to think our situation is unique, that there aren't other, especially our, our Polynesian cousins, that they're not also going through these same sorts of battles. Um, but we all are. We're all kind of trying to reclaim spaces and, our, and ourselves and our identities. Um, and I think some of the the programs that I've been able to be a part of really stress the ideas and the, the stories of place as a way, as a foundation to understand how to properly care for a place. And so I, I think the places where I've landed and was able to be a part of that helped further on how we engage with people here at our site and especially Kauai Nui here. Although I, I would also say that I've been on this voyage from Cape Town to Brazil, and it was the complete opposite end of the earth from where we are here in the middle of the North Pacific. And we were, I was the navigator, and we were navigating to this tiny little island called St. Helena, it's in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean with no other islands around it. So really hard to get to. And um, we were going through this period of fog for days and we couldn't see 
the sun, so we couldn't see stars or moon or nothing. There was no swells um, that was there really helping us to guide our canoes and know which direction to go. But we had a pretty good guess. As we are sailing towards St. Helena, we use birds as we navigate to help us tell us where we are, as a, like how close to land we are. There's a white bird that we see here um, in Hawaii, and, and you see it actually around the world, called a manuoku. It's a fairy tern. It's this white bird. And if you see that bird, you know you're pretty close to land um, because that bird's got to return to land every day. And um, if you see one bird, you're probably like 150 miles away from land. Um, if you see multiple birds, you're closer maybe 50 miles from land and the more birds you see the closer you are to land Um, but there are sometimes individual birds that fly pretty far out when we're going to St. Helena based on our calculations we're like 500 miles away from land and we saw a group of these monuoku and we're like why are these birds here like we're so far according to our calculations so far away from land but they're all here telling us we're actually closer than we are not sure why, but at least it told us we're on the right path to get into the island. But we figured we were south of the island we're trying to get to, but we couldn't go north straight to the island because that's where the wind was coming from. So we made a plan that we would tack really far north that was, wasn't even towards the island, but was in a way that would get us above the island so that we could turn down to the island to get there if that makes sense. And so we said, okay, let's tack up really far north overnight. When the sun comes up, we'll turn back down south and we should be going straight to the island. And as we were sailing that night, the wind died and started swirling around us from different directions. So we couldn't actually go the direction we were planning on going that we, that we decided at sunset. And we weren't going as fast as we were, we were calculated we would be going. And when the sun came up, then we kind of had to decide, like, do we keep going on this northerly route or do we turn south again, like how we, our original plan was before the sun went down? And as we were thinking about and, and deciding where we're going to go, on a blue sky day, just like today, this lightning came down straight from the sky right in front of the canoe. And, um, yeah, and straight in front of the canoe, hit the ocean. And we don't see that in Hawaii, right? This lightning mostly goes across the sky. Um, but it came down and hit the, right in front of the canoe. And so, well, we better not go that way because we're going to go straight into this lightning storm on this blue sky day. So we should turn. And so we, we decided to turn. And um, shortly after, like, it was kind of like a Disney movie where um, there was like dolphins all of a sudden all around us. There's hundreds of fish jumping everywhere. All these birds appeared out of the blue. And like shortly after that, the island that we're looking for was right in front of the canoe. Like we're going straight towards the island. And we never would have known if we kept going straight we wouldn't even have known we passed the island until we stopped seeing birds because it was a small little island. We didn't actually see the island until we were about nine miles away from, from the island. So we would have sailed right by it and not even known we passed it, which, yeah, would have been, would have been bad. <laughs> but 
there's that story and there's other stories along that same voyage that kind of reminds us that we're not alone we weren't alone on that canoe navigating to this small little island and our our kupuna are always with us and if they can be with us and guiding us in the middle of the atlantic ocean as far away on this earth as we can get from where we're actually from then why aren't they here every day with us guiding our work as we're walking on the same paths that they walk, as we're clearing the same fish ponds they cleared and planting the same kalo and the same lo'i? Why are they not also here with us? You know, our, there's a reason, I think, too, that why Hawaiians are called oivi and where we're from is our kulaivi, and there's sayings like Ola Naivi, like our, our bones live, that it's because of these connections to our place that they're, all our kupuna are here with us in this area. And so by sailing on Hokulea and being a part of those programs around the world and seeing kupuna in different forms in the middle of the ocean is a, is a reminder that... You know, as long as we continue on this path of our kupuna, the best way we can define it based off of the evidence that was left behind through our ancestral stories and chants and hula and our practices, that we're not in it alone, that we're, we're traveling down this right path. So, yeah, I think that's what I get off of sailing with Hokulea and relating it to this place. Sorry for the long story. <laughs> We'd like to thank you for your time today. And before you end, would you please like to share anything you want to add or that we missed or didn't recap on? Yeah. Um, come down to work with us. Uh, we're here every day. Um, but we also have community work days every second Saturday of the month, 8.30 to 12. Um, well, we're where we'll share the stories of this place, um, talk about what we're trying to do here, and hopefully engage community in this shared vision um, and practice of restoring land to, to Aina. Um, the food that we grow here, we give away to people who come to work with us, primarily on those second Saturday workdays. So we cook for everyone that comes to work with us uh, food that was grown here on the land. So... Um, there's lots of people here in Kailua um, and on this island. And um, as the story of Makale told us, if we all come together to clean the fish pond, we'll see fish in there again. So we invite everyone to come work with us down here. For more information, they can... For more information, we don't have our website up and running yet. We do have the domain kailuakalana.org but they could also follow us on our Instagram account, which is Ulupo Nui, or email me, kaleo at kauluakalana.org. Uh, mahalo Nunui for your time. Thank yeah. you so much for mahalo, your inspiration. Mahalo for you guys. Yeah, mahalo. 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 Mahalo to Kaleo for navigating this voyage of restoration and healing of one of Oahu's largest aquacultural projects, Kauai Nui Fish Pond. And especially mahalo to the many staff and volunteers for their hard work here. 
We also thank the early college professor, Liza Simon, and her students from Kailua High School for the time and research they've invested to learn about Indigenous podcasting. And mahalo again to our listeners for connecting with us on Facebook by searching Native Stories or through our website at www.nativestories.org for the latest and greatest activations of Indigenous perspectives. If you or your ohana has a story to share about their culture, their arts, their history, or their homeland, contact us through Facebook and let us know what exciting perspectives you have to share. Now, before I go, please download our mobile app and listen to our podcast by searching Native Stories in the App Store. Support our nonprofit by clicking like and rating us with five stars. Become a sponsor and also donate. Your support helps us advance technology for students, publish and produce original perspectives, and empower the youth of our communities to advocate for what they believe in. And until next time, please share Native Stories with your friends, family, and the entire Ahupua'a. Mahalo a mekelo hanui a hui ho.